<laughs> I thought you froze. Here we go. This is where the audio plays on the podcast. Live on YouTube on a Thursday afternoon. If you're listening or watching this live, we are doing this before the Hall of Fame game. Before the Hall of Fame game, John, if you're uh, listening to this Friday or uh, after the fact, then uh, you already know what happened. You already know... That Dwayne Haskins threw like three touchdowns, three touchdown drives on his first three series, something like that. I don't know. We'll see what happens. See what happens. Yeah. And so, some random undrafted free agent always makes some plays. Or this the game is, not, is like uh, nine to six and it's just terrible. Not hashtag full squad. That's what's, that's not, that's not what happened here. I no. saw somebody, uh, uh, Ross uh, um, Tucker on Twitter today was like, football's back, baby. And someone's like, yeah, come on, Ross. Like, this is nothing but backups. He's like, men are fighting for their lives and their jobs, which he's right. But, you know, for the masses, it's going to be um, a rude awakening. I was I woke up this morning, though, more excited about it, John, even though I've been tricked by this before. I don't care. I can't wait. You know what's funny? By my second year in the league, after you experience a training camp, it is by far the hardest time of the year from a scouting perspective. And that was back when 80 players were on the roster. You had 10 more. You have to keep track of every, and let me repeat every guy that plays and every single one of them that plays by your group of three or four scouts has to be written up. So you have the next month to be locked in on your team. But honestly, you stop paying attention to your team because you're so consumed with writing these guys up. And when that big cut doubt day comes down, you better be ready to speak on every fucking player. And I text my friends, like, last year was awesome. You know why? No preseason game. Yeah. So when, when these guys got cut during the season, like a rookie undrafted free agent, let's say he makes their team's practice squad, and then he's cut in October, there's no argument like, well, I thought he was better than you did in those two pre- – it didn't exist. It was just much – you either liked him coming out or you didn't. This is a hectic, hectic time for those guys, you know, that – these coaches make seven figures. Even the wide receiver coaches make six hundred grand. A lot of scouts make like 95 k and they work all year long, and they don't get vacation in the spring, guys. They, they get work, ga- reimbursed for, for gas. Reimbursed for gas, and they get a little car stipend, but you learn that that $500 extra on your salary a month also gets taxed, so it's actually like three fifty. But it sucks. You and, and, and this is why I think the scouting community becomes so negative. Most of these guys can't play. So you, you end up... People like, who's your favorite guy ever writing up? Brady? Peyton? You're like, no, I ended up writing up, you know, 7 million Jeff Wilson Juniors. And he's even on the higher. That's a bad example. I mean, it's just like Ambry Thomases. You're locked in on Ambry Thomas, right? I mean, that's who you spend your time with. Hell, you die for like a Damon Ornette. I feel like he's a little better than... But if you're a fourth, fifth, anything after a fourth round pick, you're just evaluating. And if you know, we won't know how good he is. The, to me, the cool guys are like. David I, I'm Burnett. just saying, I feels like Ambry Thomas is better than most players you end up evaluating in terms of his pre-draft expectation. You know, I get Ambry no? Thomas mixed up with uh, Lenore, who was a little bit. But they were both pick, basically. Right? I mean, that's the sneak, John. That's the that's the sneaky. Uh, that's the sneaky thing about it, right? Is that they weren't actually. I, I had the same thing the other day. I was like, God, they. Um, like Wasn't one Cam, guy a third uh, rounder and the other guy was a fifth it, rounder? Yeah, but like a comp third rounder? Yeah, it's a was third Diamador rounder. Lenore I mean, in the t- fifth or the, or the fourth? I thought he was the fifth. Okay. 
when he's on a text chain, like, what? Hey, uh, hey, what round yeah, were you drafted yeah, he in? Was, he says third. He was 172. Ambry Thomas was 102, so 70 spots ahead. You're right. Doesn't look as far on paper, but when you're in a conversation, one guy goes, what round? Third. You go, damn, you're pretty damn good. And the other guy goes, fifth. You're like, oh, you snuck into the draft. I know. You know? I know. That's unfair. That's unfair. I know. So, uh, man, what a what a time to be alive, John. <laughs> there is also, though, the buffer time. The three games makes it because there's a little more time between cut down. You got yeah. Why don't you break this news to everybody? Because we were talking to Matt Mayoko out at the Niner practice about this uh, yesterday when we were out there, and it's or maybe this was two days ago. We talked to Mayoko about this. Um, did you realize this? I'd like to tell you that I did, but I didn't. I always felt like the cut downs happen the first weekend of college football. And there's no NFL games that, right? Every, the fourth preseason game typically has been on a Thursday night. And the big cut down usually happens on Saturday. And then things get weird like Saturday, Sunday, Monday, right? As like, I made the team, mom! And the next day you claim a player and that guy gets cut. But like that three-day stretch happens. Well, this year, and maybe it, last year was weird because, again, the, the timing was different with the no games. There's a whole week. And then that weekend, it's like week... Is there a week zero in college football? There is. UCLA actually plays. So week zero college football, and then week one of college football, and you're like, oh, football is on Sunday too. And you're like, well, yeah, a couple college games. The NFL is really two weeks away. So the Labor Day weekend, or Memorial Day weekend, I get those two mixed up a lot. I think it's Labor Day, will happen. And then you have 10 days till the Thursday night game, right? A week and a half away. And then you really have 14 days till an NFL game. So that's... That's a lot of game planning time for some of these coaches. Like they always say, like we're getting ready for a week one opponent in middle of August. Like, what's the rush? Like, why you got two weeks? What the hell are you going to do with all that time? You hell, you go on vacation. Like, hey, hey guys, take a couple days off, right? Uh, yeah, September 9th. is Thursday night football. It's Thursday night football. So, who's Bucks? Cowboys. Yep. Yeah, I'll dabble. Yep. Of course, absolutely. Cannot wait. So will 27 other million people. Hey, everybody. Look, here's the deal. Uh, As always, we're glad you're here, whether it's YouTube or the podcast. We appreciate your likes, your subscriptions, uh, your reviews. iTunes review, get in there for a mailbag. Also, we're taking some of those questions on Facebook. What you do on iTunes, if you're new, we're onboarding new people, as they say in the tech industry, John. Constantly onboarding. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm Guy. That's John. Um, leave us a mailbag question by going on iTunes, leaving, leaving us a review and, uh, listing two things, the question and your favorite bar to hang out at or have a Tito's, um, in that iTunes review. Do that. We appreciate it. Yeah. Leave a review. Five stars. Uh, also we have a Facebook page. I need to go there. I need to hit the like button. Everything loads there as well. And, uh, and yeah, you can leave mailbag questions there for just different posts. Our intern, aka one of us. Okay, guy. Intern Go, scrubs through and, and scrubs. Pull some questions. Scrubs as we onboard all you guys. So uh, <laughs> Facebook, YouTube. Uh, we got obviously if you're listening, podcast. So just uh, interact with us. Interact with us in 2021. We we love the the interaction on the internet. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have to actually, but we will if we see you in person. We'll 
No, I told you that somebody on here, look, John here, I walked by a guy the other day and Jason the other day and tried to get his attention yelling Tito's. It didn't work. I told that story yesterday. It did work. I heard, I pointed at you. I said, hey, what's up? What are you? Someone sent me a DM and they said, I was on this text chain with my buddy and he brought up the time at a San Francisco Giants game. It might've been a playoff game that you and Guy were at the game and you walked by him and he said something to you guys. And and me, talking talking about me, I big leagued the guy, and then I guess we brought that up on radio the next day, or you did, and it was funny. And it, I mean, this is six seven years ago. Do you yeah, remember that? I don't remember that. I, I don't either. You big leagued the guy, but I saw I heard it happen. Yeah, and then maybe we talked about it. Like we were together, walked by the guy, said something. I don't know what happened, but an acknowledgement was not made on my half. <laughs> You thought it was funny. We talked about it the next day. They were listening. They laughed about it. And I guess they had just like, maybe they were out for dinner or whatever. And they talked about it. And he was just reminding me, asked me if I remember. He just brought this up. Yeah, I guess we were laughing about it or whatever. He DM'd me. We're easy to get a hold of. You know, DMs, emails, tweets, Instagram comments. This guy says, must not have been me. Uh, Sorry, wrong one. Must not have been me then. It was after practice. I was headed to the buses. I'll catch you next time for sure. No, it was you. I was standing right by the urinal, the porta potty. I just gone, washed my hands. You said Tito's, and I said, "What's up?" <laughs> I think he might have big legged him. I looked right at it in your eyes. <laughs> he did not clearly uh, no eye connection from him. Wow, see that's sometimes just things get lost in translation. It happens all the time in life, and you always just assume that other person's a jerk, that other person's an idiot, that other person can't drive, that other person hates me, that other person's ignoring my email, that. It, you know, most times it's just... You were adamant not only the guy yells Tito's, as we were proud about the partnership, yeah. but also that the interaction happened. I think it, you said it, it on the happen. podcast. <laughs> he interacted with me, I interacted back. Yeah, not... You know, it's... it's we all have our own truth, and his truth is fucking you big league disaster. All right, Fitz, we'll, we'll try to uh, make this right. We appreciate all the love that you guys have been sending us on behalf of the uh, partnership with Tito's, and of course, this podcast and this YouTube, and... Um, yeah, you know, our Tuesdays, our Wednesdays, our Thursdays, our Fridays, and our Saturdays are all brought to you by Tito's Handmade Vodka. Tito's Handmade Vodka, the original craft vodka in this country, John. The man himself, Tito Beverage, that is his last name, built this distillery uh, with his own hand starting in 95 in Austin with 19 maxed out credit cards and nothing but a dream and some copper stills, some copper pots. I've gotten a lot of people reaching out that they said, you guys got something and show me your Tito's as uh, <laughs> if we get into the merch game. And uh, I, I do like the show me your Tito's. I just don't know if and Tito's would approve of that line. Yeah, we'd, something have, we'd, there. Have to go up the, we'd have to go up the food chain and uh, see if that there is something there because you get a big bottle of Tito's like this. Uh, doesn't even this, I don't even think there was actually ever any alcohol. This bottle. So it's real glass, though. It's heavy. It's, it's, it's real glass. It's heavy. Uh, and like we always talk about, always DM us, shoot us tweets you, when you're drinking. We obviously like Tito Soda. I think that's the that's the go-to grown-up drink for guys that are, you know, you got to be careful because when you're younger, and, and maybe you still do the uh, vodka tonics, taste probably a little bit better, but you find out you're basically drinking soda every time. You're like, God, I don't want all the sugar. Then you get older, your metabolism slows, you go to Tito's Soda, and at first you're like, God, oh, that's kind of strong. And then you just get so used to it, you're like, that's the only thing you order. Sometimes it's sunny, and you're like, you know, throw a little lemonade in there. Guy likes pink lemonade. You can get the Arnold Palmer. 
you can do a lot of things with vodka. Uh, obviously, martinis, Tito's. I love Tito's. You know what I ordered, John? Uh, when I was at that, uh, when I was in, in Montana, I ordered a uh, uh, somebody with me ordered. I love doing this one. Just make it two. Somebody with me ordered a Tito's martini extra dirty. Have you ever had an extra dirty martini? I've only had a sip of one martini ever because I despise olives. And it feels like olives play a role in that martini. Yeah. So I've always like, I don't do tomato juice. Why I've never done Bloody Mary. I just, when I see something I don't like food wise that, and my palate has grown at, at 36, I stay away hardcore. So it's I don't smart. do martinis. Smart. I like olives. Extra kind of di- bitter. Extra Is dirty that- means they then take like the extra salt olive juice. I'm not, and they oh. dump it in there. So I'm like, yeah, thanks. Ugh. So I take it, I take a sip and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. And the martini glass is it hard for me to balance. I can't, you know, that, 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 sh- that picture of Gabe Kapler riding a bike and drinking a coffee the other day to me was impressive because if I walk with a coffee, it, it, it invariably like it's on my hand, whatever. So the, the martini glass is difficult for me. I don't know if one leg is shorter than the other or something, but, um, so I take a couple sips, you know, you're waiting for your table to be ready. I put the drink at the bar. I just abandon it and go to the table and somebody who works there says, oh, that brings it to me at the table. Says, oh, somebody said you left your drink at the bar. Is it yours? And I just said, no, it's not mine. <laughs> you know, sometimes I didn't know what as to you do. Get old, as you get older and you think you're stressed out and like life's so crazy, you think back to some of your knockdown drag out fights when you were younger. And when you're growing up, especially in a home with multiple children, looking back, and I'm sure you can agree, some of the fights that you had inside your house with the kids and the parents are the dumbest thing ever. And when you're not a parent yet, you just start thinking like, oh my, is this going to happen to me? The thing that used to be a knockdown drag out is agreeing on the pizza to order on like a Friday night. And obviously parents want like Supremes and we'd finally get down to just pepperoni, but they wanted to add olives. And then you'd cry and then they'd still order the olives and he'd make you pick them off. And you're like throwing them at your dad. You're like this, that's what you argue about when you're, when you have families. But uh, yeah, if Is I that, could, was that before I, you could do like a split pizza or they just weren't willing to do that? Yeah, you could, but it was just more complicated. You know, it was just, yeah, not much rationale with young children and parents. A lot of stubbornness on both sides. Yeah. You know, no one yeah. wants to give. Well, because I think negotiate. for parents, I imagine it this way because I think this way and I'll have to check myself on this is everything is like a chance to teach a lesson. You know, like not it, not everything in life. You can just order the way you want. You know, yeah. <laughs> pizza's like life. You got to take what we give you. It's like, oh, yeah. I just want just to eat the goddamn pepper. You're going to like it in seven years. And you're like, no, I won't. And then you love pepper seven years later. They're usually right a lot yeah. of the time, but you just never want to give an inch. Uh, it's why we ha- make drinks as parents. As I'm not a parent, but if I was, I'd have Tito's and sodas. Jorn says Tito's martini with lime instead of olives. Chef's kiss. I think you Instagrammed it out the other night. You were having a, was it Tito's and Tito, lemonade? Or just well, Tito's it was a Tito's and a ginger and beer. Tito's and a ginger beer. Uh, kind of a Moscow mule missing like, you know, the extra sweetener. You know, what's funny is I saw your post like, you know, I got a little FOMO. I went and made myself a cocktail. Then I had one. I'm like, Tito soda. It went down so fast. I'm like, I had to. Forgot to take a picture of it. <laughs> uh, you I didn't did, follow yeah. the rules, John. All right. No, I, uh, my, my fault. I'll do it tonight. I'll make one. All right. Let's dive. Let's dive into some stuff. And, and uh, we decided after going to Niners camp uh, and catching some rays on Tuesday and Wednesday, we also caught some strays on YouTube for being too optimistic on Trey Lance. And so I went, we went through the YouTube comments, John, and let's, uh, let's just, I'm going to rattle through like five criticisms of our Trey Lance uh, excitement, compliments, reviews, whatever you want to call it. 
and um, and then we can react. Kind of, are we? You know, we'll, we'll 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 give people a chance to respond here. So here we go. Here's a few. This is uh, from John on YouTube. He says, "I'm no expert, but isn't it a bit premature to say they nailed the pick when he hasn't played a game yet?" And then 20M Franklin said, "Yeah, media just got to be the first to say it." Next comment came from DJ Chris Diesel. He said, after one practice, and then somebody said, after six. And then DJ Chris Diesel said, they haven't seen all six. And somebody else said, yeah, but they're watching the press coverage. Then uh, next comment, this is from Danny L. He said, it's practice, just that. Let's see when the real games start. Not practice, not preseason. I've seen players struggle in the real games. When they start, they shine in practice. When the lights are on, uh, then the real games, they start looking bad. Uh, William said, you guys ever going to talk about Jimmy? Last I checked, he's having a great camp as well. I get the excitement, but I think we're overhyping practice a bit too damn much. With uh, what were the two players supposed to say? Every question is about how Trey is doing. A couple more. Is this from D-Nice? Is this just a hype channel now? LOL. Let's wait for the season to start. And finally, my favorite, John. This one came from James Hatfield, real name on the internet. Always, I got respect for that, no matter what you say to me. The two of you are like immature little boys with a shiny, new, and complex toy you can't wait to play with. They mortgage the farm to get him. He has to be the week one starter. How about they mortgage the farm to get him? Don't fuck up his development by rushing him. Don't get mad at me for the cursing on that one, people. This was in the thing. Uh, the two of you rah-rah boys should dial it down and let an NFL coaching staff build a pro-level foundation under him. Okay. So there's some of the you know when, uh, when our pod, you press play, you just got, always got to be ready to tell the little kids in the back of the car you're uh, I Listen, I have been as outspoken as anyone that has ever worked in football how big of a joke I think late round picks are. Now, granted, I'm, I was a media guy that happened to work in football, and now I'm just back to talking. Like, I, I wasn't like a Mayock that always does, you know, or even Daniel Jeremiah or kind of like true scouting. I, I, I find a lot of it stupid, and it's why I will never acknowledge and, and blow like fifth, sixth, seventh round picks because I've seen it so many times, exactly what one of those commenters said. It happens all the time. OTAs, oh my God. Look at this guy's speed. I think my first year in Philadelphia, Brett Veach had fought for this like undrafted free agent from Mississippi, and he had a couple like pick sixes and pick balls off, and it was like, did we get Ed Reed as an undrafted free agent? I don't even know if the guy made it to the first preseason game. Things happen fast with no-name guys. That is not the case with high-round picks because, one, they were drafted highly for a reason. They have infinitely more talent typically coming out of college, right? And two, they are immediately just usually they're thrown in with other good players. So part of the problem with like uh, Niners are a bad example because all their young guys are kind of mixed in with other star like their two rookie corners like cover their star receivers right. So it's like, but on a lot of teams, your seventh rounder might be going truly with the threes. So if you have a seventh round linebacker and he picks off your third string quarterback, like sometimes it's like I don't even it was a good play. Like, that's, you're doing the right thing, but I don't know what to make of it. I, that doesn't parallel this situation. Now, big picture, I do agree. Like, he has not... Your point the other day was, they just leave practice going, we feel pretty good about it. They're not anointing him as like, he's an all-rookie player. He's, you know, he's going to win us 12 games. They don't know. But they as of sitting here right now, August 5th, it's not even close, I think, comparing the two guys. He's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. That does, he's not better than him in a game yet. They haven't played in a game. But in the practices, he's way better. Like that's that's happening. We're watching it. That's just that's that's it. That's the final 
point of this conversation. And an added element is his immense physical gifts that Jimmy does not possess. Right? Like, that's the elephant in the room. Like, he does things that we'll see if they translate to games. I think back to going, like, you and I are not two guys like, we just attended our first NFL practice. Going on a decade plus, seeing, we rattle them off the other day, the amount of star rookie young guys seeing pop and not pop. Like, I think we have a pretty good Rolodex now to be like, I remember seeing Khalil. A what? Khalil Mack. And thinking like, you know, is this it? Now, he was, he just like, you felt him more in games. Remember in that first year, he had like four sacks. Amari was kind of the opposite. You're like, damn, fucking mm-hmm. Amari is sweet. Mm-hmm. Amari is sweet. Haberman's calling him all a famer. I didn't even think it was that crazy. I thought he was like Jerry Rice, Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Now he's, Cowboy fans will tell you, he's actually been playing pretty well. I saw he's like been a star at camp, but I don't, I wouldn't give up on your okay. Amari. No, I, no, I won't. I won't. But the point is, it, this is not, I just don't think we're coming out of pocket on this one, given what we said. Besides the, the height, no cap. Assi- yeah, no cap. <laughs> Keep it one hundred. Keep it a buck. That it just—it's warranted. I, I truly believe it's warranted. But the, the hype turns into fluff if you don't produce. Like it's this is a bottom line business. And yeah, it's if he, if he goes if he's if he's the name the starter and they blow the Lions game, he'll get destroyed. Like that's the way the world works. <laughs> well. Part of this is, I think, first of all, I got all those comments. Or This is part of the fun of all this, is that we go back and forth with um, varying opinions because there's not a lot of really evidence of anything other than what we've seen when we go to a camp, right? These are not widely available things that he's a part of. And it feels like, to some degree, after watching a couple of days, and there are other members of the media that have seen more days than us, but after the two days that we saw... And we watched him a little bit OTAs, too. But after the two days of camp that we saw, both with pads, it I walk out of there feeling a little bit like we know a secret that not everyone knows. But then it turns out you turn on the TV and you go on the Internet and a lot of people know about it because a lot of people are talking about it. Now, not everybody's seen it yet. And I think that's a lot of where I come from on this. And I think you, too, is, hey, we're telling you what we see. And we think it's what you're about to see, too, when you see him soon in a preseason game now will it look as good as a preseason game I, I don't know what it's going to look like in a preseason game it's why i've said when we start talking about this jimmy versus him week one thing it's, it's if he's doing anything close to what he's doing in a preseason game that he's doing in the practices then there's not much of a debate but i think what gets people hung up is that so much of quarterback projections is talking about their ceilings like Mahomes 2.0, right? Benjamin Albright tweeted that somebody told him, somebody who was at a Niner practice told him that's what it was. And so I think it's easy then to come and say, hey, this is over the top. So let's just talk about his floor. Forget about his ceiling for a second. Let's talk about the floor for Trey Lance. And I think his floor, this is why I said yesterday, and I've said for a couple days in a row now, the consistency with which he uses the available weapons to him is more impressive than the splash plays that he makes with his extreme skills. The consistency that he is using that arm for good with, that is on-target throws, 8 yards down the field, 10 yards down the field, not just 30, 40, 50-yard throws. The stuff that's not the ceiling plays, that's the stuff that, to me, has him on track to become the starter of this team ASAP. I think a good example is we talk a lot about Josh Allen, and so does a lot of people, right? He's become a star in the league. My my cousin 
John forwarded me. I think Ray Lewis has a Periscope show. <laughs> like, he just does takes on Periscope. And Peyton came on it. And Ray asked him, like, who are his favorite quarterbacks to watch? And he's like, I got two. Obviously, Mahomes. I, I love him. He's like, I like Josh Allen a lot. And if you look at Josh Allen's 2019, like, it felt like he hit in 20, right? 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, and just looked like a top five quarterback in the league. But the year before, actually, he started hitting this floor. You're like, he's still got a long ways to go. 20 touchdowns, nine picks. They go 10 and six. And he was doing stuff like every other week. You're like, holy moly. And he was way, and I say this all the time about Herbert. Now that I've done a lot of research and watched Trey Lance, like Trey, these guys were way ahead of Josh Allen coming out. Right. But the one thing Josh Allen hung his hat on that Chris Mortensen talked about was like, you know, back when he had that tweet, or was it Schefter, that this guy's going to be the pick. Because the physical gifts were like, he could throw the ball from, you know, end zone to end zone. He was fast. People loved him. But this is an underrated thing. And you and I were talking about this before we hopped on. Chris Sims, who talked to our guy, Ty Dunn, who wrote an article that's uh, really good on Trey Lance. And Chris Sims was just adamant that, like, one, obviously he didn't know. And two, like, I... I disagreed with the pick. I would not have done that. I, I think, and he was wrong on this. He would have been there at 12. He wouldn't have been there at 12. But that's just what he said. And just he just didn't think he was worthy of the pick. Here's the problem for us on the outside, which is basically everybody beside team executives and coaches. I'll never forget talking to a buddy on the Eagles. And I, I was just, I, I didn't quite, Devontae Smith made me nervous. Because he was so skinny. I was like, how's a guy at 165 going to be... And now, he was fantastic at Alabama, going to kick ass. And he's like, well, if you rewind it a year, when Judy and Ruggs came out, both of them to a man, without question, when you said, who's the best... Because obviously, we knew Waddle and Smith were good. So it was like the four of them. Just right. two of them happened to go back. And it was like, who's the best guy in the room? Receivers usually a cocky. Neither of them hesitated. They both said Devontae. This was a year ago, before he had his Heisman year. And then, obviously, everything that happened, he was the leader captain of the squad. He is beloved. So, if you're like, you're nitpicking, and his whole point was, John, he's been playing at this weight since he was one. Like, he, this is his size. He's a slimmer guy. He can do it. But what separates Devontae, and I'm talking to him buddies, he, I know he's hurt right now, but they're like, God, he's just so professional. He's so serious. We don't know the person. And having just the one year of truly college scouting, like every day going in, I did some schools when I was working in the office, but there's nothing like going in every day to a new school. And you're basically, you're, you're not really scouting players, you're scouting people and the way people talk about guys. So if I walked into BYU, and I'm sure this happened to Adam Peters, and they said, you know, Fred, you know, at the time, I don't, was, uh, I think Bronco was still there. If Bronco said, you know, I've, I've been a part of this program for decades, He's one of the highest level guys I've ever been around. He's one of the smartest. He's one. We have a high character program, and he's as near the top. Uh, I would swear by him as a human being on and off the. And you start saying all these things, you're like, oh my god! And that is consistently separated players in the NFL. How just the off the if you have the physical attributes, like the Chiefs tweeted something today, and the headline was like, it's an Andy Reid training camp, and the opening kind of video was Travis Kelsey was like, you know. A rookie looked at me after the first day in pads. He's like, we got three more days of this? And because one of the things is, even in this day and age, Andy still runs a very physical training camp. And Travis kind of smiled. And I was thinking about Travis and George Kittle. And they're both, it's weird, because tight ends are like skilled guys, but really they're kind of not. 
especially George, more of a blocker than Travis, but they're just, you got to be a tough guy, right? You're still getting tackled going over the middle. Those guys are football junkies. Like the way Travis, I think sometimes Travis is a little viewed, and George kind of is too, but like part of you are kind of out there. Those guys, those their two coaches, Andy and Kyle, I mean, swear by those two individuals, right? And it, obviously they have great physical attributes. One guy, third rounder, the other guy's a fifth. But why Travis has gone on to be a Hall of Famer, why George, I think, aspires to be one, it's a lot of guys have great physical attributes in the league. The fucking way they're wired, if everyone would have known that, like everyone knew their physical attributes when they were coming out. They all ran at the combine. Both of them, George ran like a 4-4-8 or 4-5-0 at his pro day. But it was like the Iowa kind of crushed him. Like, yeah, I don't know how into it. Like Iowa didn't give him a glaring review. Well, it turns out he has been one of the Niners stalwarts. As we go to practice, you just feel like he doesn't get as many reps because they hold him back from himself. But when he gets a rep, I don't know what 110% is, but wouldn't you call George Kittle a 110% guy? Like, just the way he approaches some random rep against yep. some random linebacker? Yep. Like, you can't fake all this shit. So it's like being around Trey, reading some of this Peter King, like, the, he's bringing things to the to the team that are that you couldn't have known just when me and you watched him run around North Dakota State, which looked good, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I you know, Schefter said today on ESPN something similar to what I said the day after the draft after I talked to somebody with the Niners who said, yeah, you know, we were able to do we, – we feel really good about how smart this guy is. We think he's extremely bright. And Schefter kind of alluded to it today too. Like, yeah, they had a really good idea of the guy they were drafting. Not, and not just like, oh, we think he's a solid dude. But like that he was really bright. And, you know, I think part of this you go back to – an expectation that he's going to pick up the offense quickly based on his history with it. I don't know if you saw any of Mike McDaniel yesterday make a comment. The I'm just watching now because I just love it. Dude, he's like, so good. <laughs> yeah. He's 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 different than a lot of other coaches, too. Like, his delivery. I, I enjoy his presence. He's so different than any other coach. I've, he, he doesn't – I don't know if I've ever heard of just a person who talks with, like, the cadence that he speaks with. It's unique. But it's, he opened it with, like uh, – like a special teams joke? Did you yeah, did you hear that? Yeah, uh, I don't think I did. Um, I heard him say something about practice and like how every practice you could always nitpick any. There's always going to be screw ups in practice. Then he, I think the next question was like Trey was already correcting people or whatever. Yeah, that and that was the point I was going to make is that that he knows the off he knows the offense well enough that he's already correcting people. And you know, we did a video yesterday about DJ Jones's comments and the anonymous 49ers veteran that spoke to Ty Dunn in that article you mentioned about Trey Lance and, and how complimentary they were. Those aren't the only two people saying complimentary things. Go watch Mike McDaniel. Go watch D'Amico Ryan's talk yesterday. They're saying very, very, very complimentary things about him. So, um, you know, what we do is we go and we collect what our eyeballs see and we tell you what we think is, is about to happen. And this is what we think is about to happen. So when I said the other day, and this got some of those comments came from my point that I believe the Niners – based on watching Trey to this point, nailed the pick. I'm not saying, yes, they got the future quarterback for the next 15 years. I'm saying as much information as they could have right now to this point, this is exactly what it's supposed to look like or better. And like you said, you said 10 years. I think we've been going to college football practices longer. The new guy usually doesn't look like Trey Lance. The young guy usually doesn't perform the way Trey Lance has been performing in the practices we've seen. And to the point about is Jimmy, Jimmy's having a great camp too. I said this yesterday. I'll say it again. 
I don't think this is about Jimmy anymore. This is about can Trey Lance handle what a live NFL game in the preseason is going to be? Because if he can handle that, that's all you need. Because all the stuff they do to this point, he's right there, or if not better. There's a major separation in talent. So if if it somewhat translates to the game, Jimmy's, like you said, it's it's not about Jimmy. Just about once upon a time, uh, you know, a lot of these quarterback battles where young guys overtake them historically or even in the season, like it was so clear. I, I was thinking about this today. Anthony Lynn last year when Tyrod gets poked, even after Justin Herbert's first game, Let's say Tyrod had, remember, he, was, he wasn't even eligible to come back for several weeks. If it had just been like a two-day poke, right? The poke happened, then it, then it was ready, and he was ready. Anthony Lynn would have put him back in for week three. He would have been the starting quarterback. Yeah. So it's like a lot of times coaches, and I, I, I think even one thing Chris Sims said to Ty Dunn is he didn't think if, if Kyle thinks he's better, like Chris was like, I think he'll start Trey. Like I don't think Jimmy's I do too. Walk. Yeah. I don't I don't think Kyle's going to just defer to Jimmy. Like I think people are afraid he's going to and I think people well, are afraid of that based on the way Kyle talks. My prediction cuz I just I I've been doing this long enough to think like I have a hard time just seeing him shit the bed out when the bull. I think he's going to be good in preseason games. Now it depends on who he's playing with, but I think Trey Lance is going to be the week one starter. I I think we're going to get this Chargers opportunity is going to be really good for him. Not just because they have joint practices starting August 19th, but then they play each other. And I went back and looked at what it took for Russell Wilson to get to the point you're describing, the, the week one starter, back in 2012. Um, and, you know, we I don't know that we've ever done many topics. I'm like, what, what kind of line What kind of line you want to see out of the preseason? But, um, but here's an idea of what it was. Now, that was a different situation. Because Seattle did not have an established returning starter, if you know whatever you want to call Jimmy, I I don't I didn't remember it this way, but I went back and read some stories from 2012 today, and apparently there was at least a point in time in practice where Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson, and Tavares Jackson were all getting equal snaps. I think Tavares was the second quarterback in some of their preseason games coming off the bench because Russell didn't play until the second half of the first two preseason games. And he was 67%, five touchdowns, one pick, and 150 rushing yards in those two preseason games. But they Russell. Were, Russell. But, they, but, John, those were second-half numbers. So then Matt Flynn has his sore elbow. Russell starts the third preseason game. He leads the Seahawks on scoring drives on each of their first six possessions. Okay. Matt Flynn tell anyone to this day, if my elbow hadn't been sore, maybe it's me or no? I don't know. I think it might have been too obvious anyway. Russ was 13 to 19, 185, two touchdowns, 58 rushing yards. So I think one thing that now you don't have four preseason games, which means, you know, you have one less kind of wasted game. But I think one thing that could work in the favor of Trey Lance winning this job or trying to win this job is that we don't expect to see much of Jimmy Garoppolo in the preseason. And I think even though this is not ultimately the number one skill you want your quarterback to have. Being able to run the ball was not Russell's number one skill, but he showcased in three games over, I got 208 rushing yards from Russ. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the tape to see how many of those were design runs. But in an environment like the preseason where there's first teamers and second teamers and who knows who on the other side, it lends itself to a skill set that can thrive in uh, unstructured situations. 
And Trey Lance has that. So this is not just us saying, wait until the preseason, then we'll see. I mean, that's what we're saying. But we're also saying we think the preseason sets up well for him. Not only the number of snaps he could get, but the style in which these games are played. But anyway, just for reference, like that's those were the numbers Russell put out in 2012. One thing that Trey Lance potentially has going for him during next week before the game is obviously the Diner players are aren't necessarily holding back, but it's a tough spot. You know, especially if you've been on the team for a while, you played with Jimmy. Like, Juszczyk and Kittle can't just come out and be like, holy shit, look at this guy. <laughs> you know, Jimmy who? Like, that's just not going to happen. You're not going to get some polarizing quotes from McGlinchey or Trent Williams. More than likely, who knows? It might get to the point where you just, like, start betting on the horse that's going to win. Other team, though, why would they care? Like, if Derwin James talks after practice, Joey Bosa talks after practice, one of their corners talks after practice, hell, Keenan Allen, just a video goes viral of him, like, just watching the sideline, being like, holy shit, look at this guy. <laughs> like, doesn't, isn't that potential for next week? Some headline quotes of Brandon Staley, who is the defensive coordinator for the Chargers, to just say, like, this kid looks pretty special. Because the Niners, Kyle will, Kyle is, the day Trey Lance is announced the starter, whenever that happens, it, it is not going to be some glowing review. That's just not how Kyle's going to act, I don't think. And also, he's going to have to balance it. Jimmy's situation is a whole other story. But I think next year, or I mean next week, because it's hard to tell, like you said, there's one less preseason game. That Seattle situation was a true open competition, right? They're just mm -hmm. splitting true reps, playing like Trey's not going to be playing in the second half with just Haberman and Middlecoff flying around there coming at people's legs. Like he's. To me, he's that's Sudfeld Rosen's. They're gonna have to die for those sins against the Johnny Tryhards of just guys trying to make. It's just a, it's an uneasy time to keep anyone out there that's valuable, just because there's so much on the line, right? Guys are truly defensive players are playing for potentially a roster spot, a practice squad spot, like their whole career comes down to like maybe 15 snaps, and you got offensive tackles that just might not be fast enough or terrible, and you, no one knows the blocking schemes, so his. His production to me, what good or bad, is going to be easier to like hold, like because you can always nitpick. Like happens to running backs a lot. Remember, uh, I guess it happens a lot. Just running backs that have like you know two hundred yard game, but you know or two hundred yard preseason, but one hundred and fifty of it came three minutes left in the fourth quarter against a team. Where you start doing this against a couple of their starters are out there, or just it looks like the Chargers know what they're doing with just solid backups, guys that are playing. It does just hold a little more water. Uh, like part of part of Derek when Derek won the job for Matt Schaub, Pete Carroll historically started all his starting players in that fourth preseason game, and he put Lob out there because I remember being at that preseason game, and this is like the peak of Lob right, 2014, and watching like Earl Thomas, Cam Richard warm up like this is badass. Derek, bang, 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 boom, touchdown. Four straight touchdown drives. Remember, it was 28 to like seven or 28 to nothing. And everyone's like, uh, and it was over. Yeah. Yeah. And his arm. Look, part of that competition was arm strength. I, I'm going to nominate but that, Chris. But remember, that wasn't a competition either, right? True. Kind of was, but it wasn't an open competition. Matt Schaub was supposed to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to nominate Chris Harris Jr. to be the guy that's going to say something next week. Remember Hard Knocks last year? He was on the sideline watching Herbert. 
going like that's a good one he made a couple of comments like oh my god like she, like just basically like sheesh you guys see this guy um i guess it wasn't an oh. opponent but remember james jones had some comments about Derek carr comparing him to uh, aaron Rodgers, um his rookie year going into that season but yeah I, don't you don't you think niners the reporters that are down there are going to go up to charger players and ask them questions about him like isn't that the goat easy story you should for us please <laughs> yeah Peterman paging uh and then the other thing you and I have talked about this a lot when you get to see arm versus arm in the same game right getting to see Herbert's arm and Trey Lance's arm side by side um is also one of the things that it's going to make for an easy comp and, and I think the Chargers are really unique back to your point because they just went through this as the guys on that team just went through all of this last year you know they just experienced kind of knowing but but having a vet and you know i think though to your point a guy with remarkable physical tools right remarkable physical tools i think anthony lynn was more committed to trying to play tyrod taylor than kyle shanahan actually is to trying to make the path for jimmy garoppolo i agree there was nothing that justin herbert could have done to earn the opening week start nothing that's not the case i don't think in kyle's mind with this i agree but, you know, th- this will be the fun. Now we're, we'll get some more practices throughout the week. They're off Thursday, more practices next week, and then and then off to the Chargers they go. And it's kind of like, okay, here's some of the beauty of this. If you're like, well, only the people who are seeing him right now, there's not a lot of people. Now you're going to get a whole other media group that hasn't seen him at all yet, right? The reports that we'll be getting, and I'm sure Daniel Jeremiah and Matt Money Smith and uh, Andrew Siciliano and, right, like all these guys, these people are going to be there. Bucky Brooks well, will probably be there. I mean, you would think the NFL Network will. Mooch will be there. It's an easy one. Yeah. Like a lot of people are going to be there talking about this next week. So just remember when other people are like, oh, you guys heard about this Trey Lance? No, it's you guys have been in on the ground floor. <laughs> You're going to get it on the ground floor of this. Um, it's a good idea. I should text DJ to see. Uh, hey, can we get you lined up for like next Friday? <laughs> good idea. <laughs> Good idea. Tell DJ we can talk all the baseball trades he wants to talk. But, you know, I you, it's funny. I'd forgotten. I went back and looked at 2017 Chiefs because Mahomes did play in the preseason. Alex did yeah. not play hardly at all. And Tyler Bray was their other quarterback who who played quite a bit in the preseason. And Mahomes had a couple of games where he was, I don't I'd have to go back and look, you know. One game he was just a little better than 50%. The other game he was pretty good. But there was a video from the preseason 2017. This was the year Alex played. And it Traeger was. It, tweeted it out, didn't he? What did Traeger tweet? No, this, I'm thinking of something different. Okay, sorry. What did Traeger tweet? tweeted a video from practice that like Veach sent him, you know, just like, oh, hey, no. Watch out, this guy. Yeah, well, there was that. What I found today, just looking at some old box scores, was they didn't have any highlights from one of the preseason games. It was just like a two minute video of ESPN analyst Herm Edwards. And Herm's like, you know, Alex Smith, he's won 40 games the last three years. You know, he's like going on about it's kind of the same thing that you hear right now. It's like, Jimmy, he he's third in the league in winning percentage by quarterbacks when they're available for more than seven hours. You know, the same thing you had with Nick. Nick Mullins, but most yards by a quarterback through the first 14 games of his. Okay, all that stuff's well and good, but we're watching it here. Now, the difference was. Alex went out and threw 26 touchdowns and five picks that year and completed 20, 68% of his passes. Best year as a pro. Okay. That's Jimmy's, Jimmy's best year was 27 and 13. And they won the division and hosted a game in the playoffs. So, like if you told the Niners right now, you'd win the division and host. Yeah, if you told me right you know, now Jimmy's going to give you 26 touchdowns and five picks, you go, 
okay, maybe we can wait. Yeah. But I, I who's telling you? No one's telling me that right now. And, no, and by the way, John, that. one other thing on this. I mean, we're going to talk about this forever. The second the Niners traded up to three, they were prepared to not have Jimmy Garoppolo be their starting quarterback this year. So this is, it's not like some new place that Kyle Shanahan has to get to to decide not to make Jimmy Garoppolo his starting quarterback. He was prepared, if given the right offer in the trade market, to not make Jimmy his starting quarterback months ago. Facts, Jack. So this is not like, I think we talk about this like Kyle's got to, will, 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 will Kyle receive the message? Will he see what we're seeing? Yeah, he's seeing what we're seeing. I think we talk about this, and I say we. I just mean the, the kind of just the conversation. Like, Jimmy's a little more established than he is. That's I right. got to give Grant Cohn this. I saw this on on, on the Twitter.com. Because a big number is Jimmy's career winning percentage, right? He's like 24-8 and eight or whatever. He is 5-4 and four in his last nine starts. Like, it's been a little rocky, you know, when Jimmy's – it's just yeah. been a little rocky. Yeah. I, I said it, I'll said it, and I've said it, and I've, that's a great number. I did not know that stat. But we, it's not just about availability with him. And again, keeps, I saw it. Somebody else said it today on ESPN. Oh, you know, when he's healthy, it's like, no, it's not just when, he, when he's healthy. It's still lately. It was not good enough. Um, by the way, a couple comments. Leaving talking points. Before we get uh, any further, John, uh, blurper belt. That's, this is what it was. Uh, McDaniel gets up to the podium and says, I'll defer all my Tabor Pepper questions to special teams coach Richard Hightower, the long snapper. But he like drew it out to make people think he was going to say something about the quarterbacks. That's a good joke. Kyle says he is. He's funny. He's funny, man. And remember, Uzcheck was on the podcast in the off before free eight before he resigned with the Niners, and uh, he told us Mike McDaniel is just special. I saw. I I sent him a text because, but I think before. I don't know if he walked by before we were standing next to each other. Yeah, I was on the other end of the field, and I I saw it. Yeah, I got a good fist pound, and I I just sent him a text. Good seeing you yesterday. He said, congrats on the Tito sponsor. (laughs) We got to bring back uh, the—I got to see if I can go find that. He's got great energy. He's happy. He does. He just brings good energy. Well, you and I were talking about it. Like, we think that um, he—there's no no regrets in uh, the—sorry, I'm looking for this video. No regrets in the uh, in the decision to to come get get his money, come back to uh, Shanahan. Seventy two well, degrees. Just, he just feels like a very 49ers. Like he would have thrived with Walsh, with Seifert, and those teams. Some of those Mariucci teams. He's a better player than Harbaugh would have loved him. I just think that you know there he would have really been an ideal player on all their good teams. Would he not have? I know Tom Rathman's like an all time player, but. I wonder if Tom would even uh, – he's probably his equal. I know William he, Floyd was more of a true blocker back in like the 90s. Yeah. Nobody liked this guy. This is this is a while back, a few months ago. We, we appreciate that. We should just take a – we should just take like a basket, a gift basket of Tito's to the sideline and just hand it out to whoever comes by and says hi to us. Uh, John, before we get to some more topics and some more questions, let's tell the people about our friends at ButcherBox – you 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 familiar with butcherbox.com slash ham middle cough? Are you aware of what's happening right now? I am very I am very familiar. I am very familiar. Because here's what you do. You go to butcherbox.com slash ham and you you put your first order in. And here's what happens in your first order. You have free lobster tail and two free ribeyes. So two free lobster tails and two free ribeyes. And then whatever your order is, 
9 to 11 pounds of meat. They got free-range chicken. They have ribeyes. They have different type steak cuts. They have just ground beef, which, let's face it, is is there a more versatile, you know, like check he can do it all. Is there a more usable chest piece in the in the refrigerator than just ground beef? Like, what do you want? You want burgers? You want Chex Mix? You want, you want uh, you know, uh, meat salad? Like, you can just do so much with it. You want, you want to put it in eggs? Like, what are we looking for here? It's got so many different Chex abilities. Mix? I meant uh, fresh mix, you know, like... Oh, uh, Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex, yeah. <laughs> not Chex Mix, which is also not terrible. Uh, but, uh, yeah, butcherbox.com slash ham. Two free lobster tails, two free ribeyes on us. Go check it out. Oh, my God. It's such good stuff, John. Um, humanely sourced, high-quality meat. My freezer's stacked up with it right now. Actually, the fridge has some in it because we're going to use some of the... Uh, the chicken for uh no maybe it was the turkey the ground the ground beef is going for some tacos tonight on a taco thursday not to be confused with a tito's tuesday but those two things go beautifully hand in hand sign up and choose the box and delivery frequency they offer four different curated boxes butcherbox.com slash ham butcherbox.com slash ham and brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. Yep, our friends at DraftKings, here's what we need to do. We need to go to the App Store. I know most of you have apps, uh, iPhones. They have like 90% of the market. You download the app, DraftKings. You use the promo code HAM. And then here's what DraftKings is doing. They're giving you free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in, for Tokyo and offering a free shot at $50,000. You see Tokyo, guy? It's full, I mean, you got different events all over the map. You see the, the fast climbing event yesterday? They no. like haul ass up like the Rocknasium, and you get up in like 30 seconds. It's incredible. I didn't. I mean, they, they have added so many Olympic sports. Back when we were kids, it was just like track and field, swimming, call it a day. You know. Now, I mean, they have from table tennis to like seven different types of table tennis. They got badminton. Like, what is going on? Badminton. I watch fencing. Fencing to me, like you know, I always want a ping pong table in my living room. But fencing's little setup would be pretty sweet in your living room. Yeah, it wouldn't it? Wouldn't be bad at all. Uh, questions you, you range. You fill out this little questionnaire. Questions range from metal count. Uh, to specific question about the USA team. You see, we, we made it to the gold medal game. You know, Kevin Durant, he's pretty good. Uh, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit, withdraw money. As Haberman would know, he won a big pot of money last year, PGA Championship, Colin Morikawa. I think won him 800 bucks. Uh, download the DraftKings app now. Use promo code AM when you sign up. Free shot at $50,000 in cash prizes every day for the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings pool page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code AM when you download the app for a limited time. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Uh, and you can always use the .com, too. I use I just use the, the full-on desktop sometimes with it, too. And football's starting, obviously. Um, before we go any further, John, just let's hit a couple YouTube comments here. People are uh, want to uh, uh, reward the um, the interaction. Brittany says, if I mention Tito's, will you briefly talk about quarterback depth? <laughs> Very smart. Brittany made the point that uh, if Jason Verrett goes down, Mosley's the number one corner. And uh, right now, obviously, he's not even there. I, I said this a while ago. I was wrong probably a couple months ago when I said the wide receiver depth isn't the issue. Cornerback depth is. Probably the answer is both could end up rearing their ugly heads pretty quickly if they suffer any injuries. There is no perfect team. This You can't True. build the Yankees or the Dodgers. Like, I, like you went to the Titans practice. You'd see A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Do you think their fourth wide receiver they're like thrilled about inside the building? Yeah, just I think it just kind of is what it is, you know. 
I mean, the Niners do have two guys that were drafted in the top 40. Yeah, it's just been exacerbated last year, especially because neither one of them played every game. And Kittle was hurt. And most teams, the overwhelming majority of teams in the NFL, do not love their cornerbacks. Most don't like two of them. And yeah, one hundred percent of them. Need, don't like I think one you made this point the other day. You just really need one really pretty good one, and then you yeah. deal with the rest. Did you say but, someone had mentioned that like Kinlaw had a freak out yesterday at practice? Like they need that guy to just stay, just let's stay focused. Yeah, there guy. was a question yesterday to D'Amico Ryan. Somebody noticed that Kinlaw was just kind of off to the side with his head down. What was the deal? And D'Amico basically said, hey, "It's fine. Nothing to, nothing to yeah. see here." I could see him being a little bit of a roller coaster of emotions. Which is, you know, Eric Armstead. Eric Armstead is the opposite. Like I, every time I see him, he's just completely the same. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. You need you need some, some some guys that get a little crazy sometimes. You know. Well, sp- you, you want to take on guards and centers, and he's right. I wouldn't like get be crazy. The story I heard the other day from a buddy who played with Alex Mack was that he's like Alex is the best guy, but he like you gotta like he's got an edge to him. They were in the locker room one day after camp, and somebody in the locker room was playing some music too loud, and Alex didn't like it, and he wanted it off. So Mac tells the guy, turn down the music, and the guy doesn't turn it down, just ignores him. Alex Mac walks over, grabs his Bose speaker, and spikes it into the ground, and then didn't do the, like, hold me back thing, but was ready to fight. Just was just, let's go. If we're going to go, we're going to go. I'm ready to fight. I mean, it takes guts to spike somebody's Bose speaker, John. That is... Uh, that's the, I want that guy on my squad. I I would also imagine when Alex Mack played for the Browns, so from two so 2015, this like you know the little pills now. This would be hard to shatter. You, the the speakers have really gotten a little more, just uh, I would say versatile the last three or four years. If that happened in like 2013, like that thing, who knows? It might just look like you know a boombox where if you just got he. I, I just don't think you can play 2009 to present. He's made six Pro Bowls. He was a 2010 All-Decade team without being a fucking borderline nut job. Like, it, and I mean, like, obviously, offensive linemen. Are small. I just mean when the when the lights come on and the chin straps snapped. Like those guys are crazy. Can you imagine playing center? What happens playing center? It's one thing to be a receiver and be a fast guy or corner. Center, center. At least even the not tackles, a lot of glory in that. You're not doing that for the attention, you know? No. You're not. The tackles make $10 million more than you make a year, right? And they get to, like, be everyone knows, protecting the blind side. You're just, what, driving people off the point of attack that are huge, mm-hmm. smell, that are sweaty. And you got the quarterback and the offensive coordinator. You got the worst. You got quarterback, OC, he's screaming at you. You got to deal with all the skill guys bullshit. And then you got defensive lines, by far the craziest group in all of sports, trying to knock your ass out. And they get plays off. You're the, you don't get any plays off. You don't get to like yeah. go just chill on third down. Although Jeff Schwartz, I've heard, I've talked about this, has suggested that you have like third down alignment. You Hard. rotate like better pass blocking alignment in on passing downs and run blocking alignment on running downs. I don't think that gets talked about enough. Like if I'm a tackle and I get beat by Khalil Mack, I'd be like, well... I've played 68 consecutive snaps. He played 39. And I didn't see him for the last two series. I know. That's what Schwartz said to me. He's like, if you get 18, if you get a sack a game, you are a Hall of Famer. If you give up a sack a game, you are on the street. <laughs> I know. 
Brittany, it's, it's not fair. But I want to address this one because we've talked about this a few times. Cooper Cup, Woods, Hopkins, Green, Kirk, Hawk, uh, Metcalf, Lockett, the second rounder. Who's defending these guys? Plus Wilson, Stafford, Murray. We, you know, we've talked about this numerous, numerous times, specifically with the rookies, because this league has added so many fast receivers. Rondale Moore, 4-3-1. A 4-3-1-40. That's who Arizona drafted. Eskridge, I don't know if he's back from his, he was on pup with his big toe in Seattle, but he ran a 4-3-9. And our boy 2-2 Atwell ran a 4-3-5. So yeah, it's, plus all the other guys in this division. It's going to get real for all. I mean, it's already been real, but it's going to be really hard to cover in the NFC West this year. Really hard. I agree. And it's not just but air it's, yards. It's going to be sideline to sideline stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's going to become more in vogue in the NFL, just the amount of sweet wide receivers that are coming in the league. There's a lot more right? of them. I mean, yeah, just who you play. I mean, look at their three preseason games. They were regular season games. The Chargers, who have big-time wide receivers. The Chiefs. Yeah, we know well about them. Even the Raiders. It's like, well, who's going to run with rugs? Well, look at last year. Yeah, last year's draft was like a plane flew over the NFL and just dropped out like 21st round. I mean, there were like 20 guys in the first two rounds. And most was of them were good. Change? And you the first guy change? that rugs, to your point, rugs was one of the worst of the first 20. No, because yeah. I, I think there's the more that get the because it's so much easier to be if you're a number three receiver in college or in high school, like the ball is just getting thrown more. So there's 100%. more reps for everybody. Plus seven on seven. There's just guys have caught so many passes by the time they get to the NFL. They've run so many routes by the time they get to the league. And yeah, rules don't help the cornerback either. Okay, John, on to the next. Um, this, this was from an article that David Lombardi wrote in The Athletic about the percentage of the 49ers cap spent on the quarterback position. He, he showed some other positions too but specifically on quarterback here's how it uh, relates to the NFL average the Niners have 17 percent of their cap on quarterback the NFL average is nine percent so that the Niners spend eight percent more of their cap on quarterback than the league average here are and this one might be a little harder to see for those of you watching um, some other teams in the league Pittsburgh is at 17 percent Seattle's at 17 percent you know uh, Green Bay's at 16%. If you're going to be at 16 or 17%, you'd like the guy you're spending all the money on to be a future Hall of Famer, right? Which is the case in Green Bay, in Pittsburgh, and in Seattle. Uh, but that's not the case for the 49ers. So what does this, what what David wrote in The Athletic, what, does, what do those numbers mean to you? Well, to me, s- several of those teams really stood out to me. I think Baltimore and Buffalo now are two teams that I actually think the Niners have a lot in common with. Definitely Baltimore, just... The physical run game, really good defense. I think a Niner, they have a lot of characteristics the Niners like. Obviously, they want their quarterback to be a little bit better of a passer in Lamar, but they would sign up right now to be as good of a team as Baltimore. 3% of your – like Lamar Jackson accounts for 3%, and they just have – I mean, they've had random backups the last couple of years. Like, right, the Utah Hunley was like one of the cheap guys, right? Buffalo, Josh Allen, who went a lot higher, I think a big reason that Baltimore and Buffalo – uh, the difference of 3% and 6%. Lamar won, despite being a star player, was the 32nd pick in the draft. So yeah. his cap, his money is a lot different than Josh Allen, who was the seventh. And then just whether they saw a deal or whatever, they are paying, you know, Mitchell set three and a half million dollars. So between Josh, that's 6% is even different than 3%. But you're able to build up your team. You're able to kind of stack the deck. 
Isn't that going to change for both those two teams? Right? And you could say, well, Buffalo, they haven't got over the hump yet. And one of the headlines has been that if they can't get a deal done by the first week of the season, they're going to table it till like Josh Allen, they're just going to table it till after the season. Which, I mean, Buffalo, not that it, it's not going to impact year four for either of these two, two guys because their salary cap's already set for this season. So they've already benefited off these guys, really. Year two, year three, and year four. And they're going into year four. And you, I think the Niners, ideally, over that stretch, would like to like get to a Super Bowl. But you'd say Buffalo, they got to the AFC Championship game. They've been to back-to-back playoffs. Like, it's going pretty well. Baltimore, who have already won Super Bowls in the past, have been in the playoffs three straight years. Now, they finally won a game last year, but it's been really successful, right? They've been competing for the number one seed. Like, it's gone really well. You have to take advantage because it ends. You then, like, aren't these two teams going to be like Seattle and have 17% or 18% or 15%? Like, that cap number is going to, I mean, for Baltimore, from 3%, that could go up to, you know, within two years, 16 17%. That could go up 13 14%. And that is just... I mean, we're talking several players, right? That is, that's several players on your team. That's a guard, that's a starting corner, and it's your backup wide receiver. And maybe a really good kicker. Like, who knows? Like, it, it adds up fast, you know? If that's $20 million you're talking about, in the this is not the NBA, where DeMar DeRozan costs you 28. This is where you can get a three or four DeMar DeRozans for four or five million. And that's what changes. And that's where the Niners really have to take advantage of these next two years. And really, they don't have the picks, right? Like uh, the Chiefs, once they just traded basically that first-round pick because they flip-flop picks the first year, and then they traded first-round pick the next year. Well, by the third year of Mahomes, they could trade a one for Frank Clark, or they could trade a two for Orlando Brown. Like, they had picks back. The Niners are not going to have first-round picks for two straight years. So if just pick some random sweet player. Miles Garrett, whoever, you know, some guy, I, he's not, but, you know, some guy wants a trade. Oh, Odell. You know, give him two. Yeah, give him, you know, back a couple years ago. Give him two ones for that guy. Like, they don't really have the capability to do that. Even if it's like a, the equivalent of Stefan Diggs, but they'd probably need a corner. Like a Jalen Ramsey. Like, they can't really make that trade, right? So they don't really have the ammo to make the trade, even though they're going to have the cap space. They're really going to have to be aggressive in free agency. And as we know... You know, those type players don't hit free agency. Like to get a Diggs or to get a Jalen Ramsey, you don't just get to buy them. Well, look, you have and, to and trade for them and then pay them. Look what happened with Trent Williams, right? With the Chiefs. The Chiefs did it. It's about everything they could, and it doesn't guarantee you even get the player. They almost had him, though, because of Patrick Mahomes, which really they're still at 5%. However, they set up that contract is pretty insane. Thought they paid him $450 million. <laughs> Yeah, but that, he doesn't start getting that money until 2055. It'd be like the credit card bill if your minimum, like you had a $50,000, you know, uh, rotating credit rate or I mean credit limit and you could use all $50,000 and Chase was like, you know, you actually don't owe us that $50,000 until 2024, but that 50 is actually now (laughs) $175,000. I think a lot of people would take it. I'll figure it out later. Yeah. That's what it feels like the Chiefs are doing. The other thing here, John, is it'd be one thing if you were like, you know, it's one thing if if you're, let's say, Jordan Love, who you go, again, This it's hard to find a situation that is the right scenario, but they might, the Packers might get Jordan Love on a pretty team-friendly deal on a second contract if by the end of his rookie deal he's barely played. Yeah. Right. 
okay, cool. You extended his cheap years, but you did it because you had Aaron Rodgers. That one's reasonable. But what what would not part of the equation here is there's no way you're paying Jimmy twenty five million, even if he is on your team this year for twenty five million dollars. You're not doing that again next year. So in 2022, you know Trey Lance is your starting quarterback, right? We think he's going to be this year, but let's just say what we know, 2022, he's definitely your starting quarterback. I know the scenario exists, Jed York, who knows? Maybe Jimmy wins the Super Bowl and we bring him back. Okay, yeah. But that's extremely unlikely. So if you know this guy is going to be on the field next year for you, then let's Start the clock. Next year will be just you'll be just as desperate to win a Super Bowl as you are this year, or to compete for a championship, or to win the NFC West, or whatever. Right. So, so think about the this. standards aren't lower this year, John, than they're going to be in twenty twenty two. Well, same. no. Well, think about think about my the, my two examples, Baltimore and Buffalo. Haven't those since those guys started playing? Haven't the expectations in both places dramatically risen every year? Because of, because that because the quarterback's been good. Yeah. So if the guy is just solid. The expectations are huge. And here's the other thing I haven't really factored in. So you gain the $25 million in Jimmy. You actually are going to gain more than that because the revenues are going to go back up. So if that cap goes from 198 to, let's say, 215 you gain an extra 15 and you gain... Like, you're actually going to gain a lot. You're going to have a lot of wiggle room. Now, I don't know. They, the way they set up Fred Warner, George Kittle, Trent, some of those start hitting. So maybe, who knows? We have to ask Parag for the... De- like. It's not as black and white as probably I'm making it seem, but I know for a fact that their quarterback room is going to be cheap unless they cook the books and have a $10 million backup, but why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. Ask the Ravens. You just, you're just all in with Lamar. Why You're saying why would you have a $10 million backup for Trey Lance? Just have a conti- yeah, like if he gets hurt. You know? I mean, that would be the reason to do it. But I, I'd argue just isn't part of the... Uh, isn't part of having you just are all in on the on the rookie quarterback? Yes, but I but I think that there is I think part of a guy getting hurt. We always look at these ten million dollar backups like, you know, can you win eight games if this guy's out for the season? Well, I mean, do, maybe you just need three wins. Does does some other version of Nick Mullins win you three games in four weeks if Trey Lance misses a month? That's tough. So what are you willing to pay? for a month of being able to swim, just tread water. Well, if you're trying to win a championship, like I think I'd pay 10 million bucks. If you told me I'm winning three out of four. Now there's no guarantee. Jacoby Brissett wins you three out of four and Jacoby's yeah. not making 10, right? He's making like, yeah. So eight. again, I, I got no problem. Even I, using I actually, an extra like little. F- seven. I'm cool with getting to G- oh. yeah, yeah, Maybe it doesn't have to be 10. Yeah. Even seven though. I mean, I, you could look at the other teams and go, you know, would you take a reclamation project at two or three or even just a rookie or, a, you know, a guy on a veteran? You know, if my, rookie, if my rookie got rid of the football like Drew Brees did and even Brees got hurt, if my rookie, if I'm going to be running RPOs and options with him, I'd love to. I'd like to be able to have two weeks of another guy. I think there is a value in that. Um, but, yeah, it's hard to find that guy. It's hard it's to find that guy. proposition. It's always it's great in the- all these these oh, the quarterback you want to put together is great in theory, but it's harder to actually, you know, execute that person. Not execute the person, but well, like I'll, I'll do Mariota for three million dollars all day. All year oh, long. well, yeah, but it's it's rarely that easy of a decision, right? No. 
Well, what had to happen is like all these quarterbacks got drafted and traded, and then Mariota kind of was in a pinch and had to take a pay cut. He was supposed to make 10. He made seven last year, so you're right. It, it's been the perfect combination of circumstances for them to get it's what's that. So, it's so much mind-boggling about the NFL all the time is that like 20 teams need a quarterback, and yet when a quarterback needs a place to go, there's no there's like three destinations. Because people are always like in the middle of like evaluating a guy they just had or trying to figure out, oh, we, you know, we, we'll do Fitzgerald this year and then we'll get to it next year. It's, it's really weird. You, you, well, you can't truly just make a transaction like baseball, just like, oh, just put him in the lineup today, right? You can't just, if you could, I think it would happen a lot more, just moving and shaking. Like if you could just be like, oh, we'll just cut this guy, add this guy, play him at third base, right? And put him at, have him bat fourth for a week and just see if it works. If not, we'll just plug another guy in there. You can't just do that at quarterback. Like, well, I don't, coach, I don't know the fucking plays. You know, coach, what, what is jet right? What, you know, it just, it is harder, right? It's very complicated. Yeah. Even basketball. Like I can just, yeah, have this guy be our pack of point guard. Try him out this for these two weeks. You can't, it's harder to just be like, try this guy out for two weeks. Well, it's like, Hey guys, he doesn't know where to throw. We can't even run a practice, right? It's All just, the reps and much more difficult. go to the number one guy. Yeah. And even the second team reps, like I can't, I, I don't, can't afford to waste a rep during the season. It's like, this guy's fumbling. I, I don't have time. Problem in the NFL more than college, there's not as much development during the season as I think the average fan would just think. Like, you know, you just get better. Well, you kind of got to get better on your own. When I was at Fresno State Sundays, Pat Hill was really smart. He would take all the all the freshmen that were in the stands to watch the game and then all the young players that did not play in the game, they would have like an hour and a half scrimmage. And the guys that just played in the game, their only practice was to come come, come run wind sprints root their young players on and get rally burgers. But like you would, you would play. So like if you were a young player in, I don't know if the rules have changed in college football, but like if you were a redshirt freshman, seven to 10 times a year, it wouldn't happen every week, but many weeks there would just be a live scrimmage. Guys just play football. But like that does not have, if you're just like the practice squad guard, it's like, well, you're just getting better. Well, kind of, you get to do some individual work and then you go off to run with the scout team. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. You're just running the other team's place. Now, you can make a name for yourself. Like, the coach is like, you know, this guy's giving us great looks. For sure. But it does usually take, like, an injury or something. Like, you just need things that are out of your control. It doesn't help you a ton if that's not the offense your team runs, ultimately. Yeah, and sometimes it's easy if, like, you're not a running quarterback. That's another thing. If you're not a running quarterback, like, I was watching Rosen. He's just maybe not very good, which is crazy. Yeah, by the way, I I don't think it's been – there's been – I think Sudfeld's going to be, unless they have like a affinity for Josh Rosen, but he misses a fair amount of throws, John. All the time. But even if I had Josh Rosen, let's say I kept him as my three, just because I wanted Jimmy and Trey, they're with the ones, and in practice, well, all the running quarterbacks, Josh Rosen doesn't look like any of these guys were playing, right? Like, we don't get to play Jared Goff every week anymore. So his like... I do, I do just wonder if, like, the stiff, stiff quarterback, who's not, like, a legit starter, I think they're going to start getting phased out more and more. Maybe I'm overreacting, but I had that thought the other day. Let's talk about the Hall of Fame. Forget about the Maybe future, baby. John. Let's talk about the past. Two classes going in this week. The 2021 class is incredible. Um, these are the guys, the 2021 class, Alan Fanica, Tom Flores, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning. Contributor Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, and Charles Woodson. And uh, it, re- it reminds me that we have to go back and look at 
the incredible 1997 Heisman finalist, Randy Moss, sunglasses, Charles Woodson, Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf. And from that moment, Peyton and Woodson were sitting next to each other at the Heisman ceremony. Obviously, Charles won it to those two guys going into the Hall of Fame class together. And I mean, everybody that goes to the Hall of Fame has an incredible football life. You and I have talked about this. We love that show, by the way. But Peyton and Charles, uh, you couldn't have drawn up, given what they were coming into the league, two guys who turned out to be more valuable for the NFL. Um, I'm not saying they're the most valuable people ever. I'm just saying, given what they were when they came in, fully delivered for the sport. Vic Tafer wrote a really good article talking to both of them and how they were kind of joined at the hip and neither of them thought they were going to win the Heisman. Charles definitely didn't because he was a defensive player. And Who did they think was going to win it, Randy? Well, they, they didn't really say. Leaf they didn't know. told me he thought he, he knew he wasn't going to win it, but he was just there for They him. just didn't think that each individual was going to win it. Charles' whole thing was when the year started, remember Peyton had come back for his senior year. It was like Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. And it's just like he had all the momentum and it's like a defensive player, even though Charles remember like returned and played some offense. I, I can't have this epiphany that like, why sometimes did I nitpick hall of fame inductions for individuals? Cause like, is that guy really a hall of famer? My, my hall of fames. You, if you're not a first ballot, you're never in. And I think part of what's powerful about like Charles and Peyton is like, they're, they're like Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez, right? Uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like it's just Tim Duncan. It's that to me, those are Hall of Famers. Like that's always the way I've, when you talk about Hall, Belichick, like you don't even talk about it. Like their career ends and you just know or not. Like most of these guys that you go back and forth, that's not the way it is. And a lot of people think I'm wrong. But those two guys, I mean, I think Peyton is going to go down as one of the more transformative players in NFL history and important economically that we've ever seen with obviously with Tom. But Charles was, to me, on the short list of just Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, just needle-moving his fame, his production, his just importance of the league as a player. Uh, now, unlike, I'd say, Ed and Ray, though Ray had a little issue, but it was off the field, he did have a little... His career, it was weird. Like, his high end is is a, it's all-time great, elite. He's hanging with the, the best of the best. But he also had some moments like, you know, when the Raiders weren't going to offer him a contract. They had franchised him a couple times. The Packers didn't even have to spend that much, sign him as a free agent. And then you heard Aaron Rodgers talk. The Packers kind of thought he was done. Remember, he changed positions, even though he was kind of a hybrid with Green Bay and was really fucking good that last couple years with Dennis Allen, but definitely that Jack Del Rio season. Remember, he dislocated his shoulder, I think, week one and played the rest of the season like with a sling. It's like... This guy, what are you doing? On this awful, off. awful team. Sometimes I wish. What was the yeah. song? Uh, I, was I could fly. Sing, uh, yeah, I was about to sing the Michael Jordan song, but it was uh, uh, it was something about it would rain. Remember, it's like let let it rain on me or something like that. Yeah, raindrops. But remember his his last season, Del Rio's first year when they actually kind of had some momentum, and I remember Jack really wanted him to come back because he thought they could be a playoff team, and Charles retired. But that season he picked off, I remember going to the game and it was like he'd never picked off Peyton Manning. They'd both been in the league for 18 years and he picked them off twice. Now, it turns out Peyton was like on definitely on his last legs. Like Charles could have kept playing, but he picked them off on a deep ball and he 
DJ Hayden obviously should have picked it off, but Charles floated over him, and DJ Hayden described it as him floating in the air. He just looked up, remember that? Yep, and Charles I do. floated, and and he caught the ball, and it's just, it's a pretty awesome. Just those two guys to me are pretty memorable. 2000, 2010s, like they just played a huge role in the in the expansion of the league. Yeah, it. it I mean. For Charles, Charles had some legendary moments for multiple teams, right? The Raiders and then and the Packers, obviously, and then the Raiders. But I, I think for people our age, like if you're in your mid-30s, we've been watching football a lot longer than Charles Woodson and Peyton Manning were in the NFL. But in terms of like my, you know, I remember, like I would say my my NFL memories begin like in the early 90s. Um, But... For those like my real conscious like understanding of what was happening in the league, I didn't have that in the early '90s, right? I remember watching all those games, and I, but like really understanding the draft and free agency and all this other stuff, like that came when the like in these guys' era, right? That was the 2000s on. Like I remember all this stuff you're talking about. I remember those guys in college. Like I, I, I would say actually the first like. NFL debate I remember was Peyton or Leaf for the number one pick in that draft. Um, so for me, it's it's personal in that like when I I watch these guys talk this weekend, which I I can't believe they're only getting eight minutes or nine minutes, whatever it is. I think Peyton said he's going to do seven minutes and fifty seconds, but he'd probably go over. Um, like this is the era that we're in right now. Like these guys brought the league right here to this point. I know you've always yeah, talked I, about like the Peyton, like Tom's going to be there. That's the magic and Larry Bird. Um, it's pretty crazy that Tom's going to be there. <laughs> like Tom's going to be at the thing as an active player at this Hall of Fame induction. But do you think it makes sense for him to come? Just him and Peyton are so synonymous with each other. Because I would say Peyton is probably it. It ended the last like definitely five years. Was a huge part of two of the most polarizing discussions ever. Obviously, the Peyton argument with Leaf just ends once the draft happens, but you're right. That was an all-time pre-draft argument. And then Peyton and Tom had a lot of legs for like a decade and a half, right? Once Peyton won a Super Bowl, got to another. I know Tom had a couple more, but people were like, is Peyton better? And then Tom became Peyton, basically, and I was like, ah, this isn't... And then he kept winning Super Bowls. It stopped being an argument. But I felt like Peyton and Tom was a hardcore sports argument from 2000 to like 2010. It's like, yeah, I know he's got two more Super Bowls than Peyton, but Peyton does more. That's right. There was Tom a time. They started doing more. That's a good point. There Our was arguments time. eventually just kind of end, right? Uh, Abdul says, "I wish it would rain." That I can't. We, I can't hear the song, but that sounds right. Yeah, it's kind of like a slow Motowny. Yeah, kind of yeah, song. it was. Do, can you can you imagine the? Do you have the melody? I, I, yeah, a little bit. I just remember him singing in the locker room. Weren't they 0-10 Yeah, they were 0-10. I'm pretty sure it was 0-10. Going in, was that... They were 0-10 going in that Thursday game, right? In the in the mud? Is that what it was? Oh, that's what it was. And maybe they interviewed him on like a Friday, and he just tried... Or I mean like a Thursday, trying to keep stay positive for the game. Or Monday. That was going into the week. After they went 0-10, when Mark Bedane shot me the text message that... Uh, said you'd need to lighten up. Out of pocket, saying that they had 0-16. He did not say out of pocket. He did not. He said much worse. He was pissed. He was on the tarmac. Whoever they had just played to lose their 10th game, 
I had just tweeted like, hey, 0-16 is not crazy. Remember, they were playing the Chiefs, the Bills, the Niners. Like their, their schedule was like teams that were several playoff teams. I'm like, this is not crazy. Again, 0-10. He was pissed. We're not. We're barely halfway there, Chad. <laughs> I think they had just played the Rams. And they but got beat. Right. Maybe the Rams. They actually played the, if I remember correctly... They win the Thursday night game against Alex and Andy in the rain. It was cool. Like everyone was like chanting. It was. They were one and ten. Then a week later, they played a Rams team who was not good that good. And I'm pretty sure they lost like forty five to ten. Uh that was the fourteen team. That was a fourteen team. Who did they play after the Chiefs? Because I'm pretty sure they got blown out in that game. So they so they beat the Chiefs. Yeah, then they lose to the Rams. Is that what you said? Yeah, what was the score? 52 to nothing. But then, so but you John, just win the game. They had some momentum, they though. They the, finished the year 3-3 three and three down the stretch to get they to 3-13. The, they, the, they beat Harbaugh and Kaepernick, right, the next right. week. Then they lost to the Chiefs. Then they beat the Bills. Then they got. Then they lost to the Broncos. Uh, yeah. There's, there can't be much like a young team winning your first game in week 11, or it might have been 12, depending on the bye, then playing a bad Rams team and losing 52 to nothing. 52 to nothing in the NFL. What's the what's the college equivalent to 52 to nothing? 78 to nothing? I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. It's 82. is a lot. I mean, but they drafted point? fourth the next year and drafted Amari Cooper. Yeah. Game changer. I mean, yeah. You think you nail the pick, the guy would be around for a while. Yeah, but Jerry's happy to have him. Oh, was I'd it Candy Rain? Was it Candy Rain or was it the other song? I, I Soul for I, Real. With How, rain. That song, if I see the lyrics of Candy Rain, I'll remember. Sometimes. Do you ever dream of candy coated raindrops? I'm off a little bit, but it was something like that. that that's 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 not that's what not the singing. song he, he wasn't was singing. singing. No, Why did we no. play that song though that I just sang? My love, do you ever? I, no, we we we, we played we played the song that Charles was singing. That wasn't he one hundred percent, one hundred percent not that song. song. We played for a reason, though. I remember that because I only know this song because we played it on our radio show. I'm not he, saying he, he sang this song, but we that's played an, that. That's song like a '90s R and B song. He was singing a song from like the '70s. It, well, like well, Motown. the other song is "Temptations." Yeah, uh, I wish it would rain. I think you're yeah, right. I'm just saying I, this song, "Soul for Real," "Candy Rain." We were playing that song for a reason on radio that I can't recall, and so now I know that song. I mean, I know the first two lines. I don't remember that at all. I don't know. I don't know why. I can't explain it. Uh, Jason Cole tweeted this today. According to three sources, the Raiders have hired or are in the process of hiring an outside law firm to deal with whatever issues at the center of at least four top executives being dismissed or leaving the team. He said, according to three sources, uh, this goes back to something Peter King wrote a while back. I heard a lot of theories about why Mark Bedane left. He didn't approve of some of the spending by Mark Davis in the midst of a disastrous first financial season in Vegas, including Davis's decision to buy the WNBA's Las Vegas Aces, that he was just tired of the nonstop pace of running a franchise in a new city, and that he and Davis were having significant disagreements on the direction of the franchise at a time when money was tight. 
Things are getting weird, bro. Is this I mean, is just, this how the league takes the team? Is this how it begins? Uh, I mean, they they want him out. It, you know, it's not breaking news, even though middle guy, that's not true. They love Mark. He's like a craft. No, guys, he's not. He's like a just, what? I, listen, craft. Uh-oh. You know, <laughs> put him on that. Yes, yeah, what you get from you know the Twitter radicals. He's Jerry Jr. Uh, listen, I, I I don't think unless something. I, who knows? The, the first tweet response to this mm-hmm. to Jason Coles was at John Middlecoff. You hear anything? And then the first response to that was like, "Why are you asking him? He doesn't know shit." It's like, the, why are we always defending the madness? Like the resume speaks for itself. It's a fucking disaster. As we said, you and I and Mark Bedane were not always on the same page. But as we said, he was a driving force and by far did the most amount of work to get that team to Vegas, which I respect. Like he 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 had to do a lot of shit, and for him to quit, like there's Peter King's not just writing that, pulling that out of his ass. Like no, and Peter King is, knows some, more than he's writing. I would say based on what he's writing here. I, facts. That's my guess. So, and I told you before we just hopped on here, I'd said, well, if you just had a year that financially was a complete disaster, and you don't have that much money, unlike some of these other teams, just have unlimited cash to spend. You're buying the WNBA team, like, let's face it, as a good PR gesture for the city, as we said when he did it, like a smart thing to do. When you're super rich, you can do ego plays that are also get you good PR that are just good things to do. When you are kind of tight with money, you don't, and, and we even said, like, the WNBA team wasn't costing 50, it might have cost $10 million. But you start doing things like that, I could see Mark Bedane like, hey, Mark, what the fuck are we doing here? We're paying a coach an astronomical money. We haven't had any money coming in. The city was ravaged by Corona because Vegas, a city that literally never sleeps, got shut down. If you would have told most human beings in America that have any common sense, be like, what would it take to stop the casinos? Most people have been like, I think it's probably impossible. Like, they're going to stop? Like, not, no laws get changed or anything. Like, they can, Vegas. Like, what would shut down Vegas? I, you'd be like, I don't know, some crazy weather storm that a tornado you wouldn't even have an answer they got shut down and the 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 raiders are very dependent on it all and obviously like it just threw everything for a loop and mark bedane who was his driving money guy like we could you just start putting the pieces together right now i don't know what this because you kind of thought maybe there was something just when you see something like this like legal yeah this is not like spending money the wrong way right did something happen why, why do you need an outside law firm to deal with whatever issues at the center of at least four top executives being dismissed now it could be what you're talking about maybe you need a law firm to a law firm could handle a you know maybe they handle some financial stuff too but i don't know it's it could be not financial also i don't know this is weird there's just, there's some weird things brewing there aren't there there are now, this doesn't impact Gruden and Derek. No, but it's right? not so going away. Is, I, I would say it's something to keep an eye on Mark Davis-wise. It's just, I got mm-hmm. my eye on the franchise. Because yeah. I know what Roger has to think, and don't you think every owner thinks? Can you imagine if we put this thing up for bidding? After relocating Wait, we split, it? We split $4.5 Whatever the Forbes has, I think it's low. Well, because Forbes, you can only value, you know, the devaluations come from previous sales, et cetera, what you own. The valuations can't account for just billionaires with money to burn, 
Like, well, you because if it did, you say, you know what, it's worth nine million billion dollars, whatever. It's what would Bezos well, pay for it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, what's six and a half billion to Jeff Bezos? If the NFL told him Jeff is going to cost nine, he'd be like, all right. Remember the day that they bought like uh, Whole Foods and it cost them, you know, 14 billion and their stock had gone up and like all these financial people were like, actually, they made money today. <laughs> they were like a net positive. You're like, well, they just spent 14 billion. Yeah, but when you factor in the stock, they're in the net plus. You're like, what is going on? He's just like, Printing. nothing they can. And then now you go into Whole Foods, you got Amazon people everywhere. You drop off the rug that you already don't watch, want. It's like, this guy is just, he's taking over. And then you get like a, a bowl of chicken and a piece of salmon, and then you check out. You're like, that's going to be eighty seven dollars. You're like, I thought this was supposed to get cheaper. <laughs> I think it's got more. Expensive. For a minute, it got cheaper, and then it got more expensive. I think it is. I, I bought this thing. I just wanted something to eat. This restaurant I was calling wasn't picking up, so Whole Foods right there. I shoot in. I'm just like, I'll just eat something healthy. I just get these two salmons already cooked, so I basically just have to put them in the microwave with some veggies. The two salmons were $32 for two pieces, just a piece of salmon. Like this. Was it big? I mean, just a piece cooked? like you eat for a meal. You already cooked. Oh, yeah. Hot bar is more expensive. Hot bar, can, hot bar will get you. But I'd say 32 for two pieces of cold salmon not, that I have to eat. I'm up. not it's saying not it's not crazy. Extreme. I'm just saying the hot bar never fails to be like, I'm, you're at the register and you have to like, <clears throat> I'm sorry, what did you just say? But you don't want to be like, I'm leaving it here. I'm out, you know? But you're like, I, I don't want to do this. Say like I got a potato and a short rib. I owe you forty eight dollars. The hot bar. It'll be like a piece of meatloaf. A few. You like threw in a little macaroni and cheese and some broccoli, and it'll be seventeen fifty. I'm like, what? Yeah, seventeen fifty to me feels like that's like two thousand eight. A uh, couple other things, John. The um, oh, Jason Garrett wants to be called coach. That whole thing. You know, Dion did this a while ago. People got very mad at Dion. Like Dion, how dare you dictate to us that we call you coach? And then somebody today, Jason Garrett said. Nice seeing you guys as he left the podium doing some uh, media availability for the Giants. And they said, nice seeing you too, Jason. And he said, around here, we, we say coach. And I, I, look, having done a million coach interviews over the years, I use both. I understand a coach wanting to be called coach, but I, I do not think the media is obligated to call a coach coach. You're not his coach uh, or he's not your coach. You're, you're not their coach is what I'm trying to say. I've used both because in some circumstances, one is appropriate. In some circumstances, I do think sometimes it's appropriate to use the guy's name. Okay, this isn't a doctor. It's not the president of the United States. You're not the, you're not the general leading the troops. You're, 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 you're the football coach of a team that I'm covering. And I think sometimes there is an appropriate way to establish like, yes, coach is a nice way to show respect. And so sometimes I use it. But there are also times where maybe you're in a touchy situation from a question standpoint uh, and you don't want to be deferential to the person that you're covering by saying coach and kind of putting them on a podium, on a pedestal. You say, hey, John, I got to ask you about X, Y, Z. So I have no problem. Sometimes coach, I think, works. I think people who use coach all the time, it's a little much, you know. I, I use a mix of both, and there's no real science to it. I just kind of feel it out. Like some, I'll use probably if I'm doing an interview, I might do use both of them. But... I I don't I don't think you just deserve to have everybody call you coach because that's the way you guys operate in your building, and I'm not mad I, I, at it like some people in the media are. I don't think, it, but because I think he's coming I, I, from a different place than people who cover him. But uh, I don't think that's a reasonable expectation. I think you and everyone else are missing 
the big picture thing was happening here. The Giants had the fight happen this week. I think Joe Judge is a lunatic inside that building. And I think people are getting yelled. I think everyone's just furious. The, the tensions are high. You could see on Jason's face, I'm a miserable fuck. I, I can't believe I'm here. This sucks. I think that comment was he's feeling so much stress in the misery of being at the Giants with Joe Judge. He just was like an out of body. I watched Jason Garrett and we all did. I was shocked. Cowboys. I thought it was a joke when I saw the video. Like, it's not him. He actually was a very normal, well put together, like always held it down yeah. when Jerry was doing weird things. I I could feel, having been in a place, you can relate, where just mentally it can break you. I felt like Joe Judge and the Giants were breaking you a little bit. I think it's a great call. But I, I will say I've wanted to address this since the Dion thing because it's a take where, like, I think some people go too hard the other way. It's like, no, you don't I deserve do. It's like, no, I, I get I use it sometimes. I try not to be too deferential all the time. Like, hey, coach, hey, coach, hey, coach. But I get, like, these guys grind. They work hard. Like, sometimes you call them coach. I think it's reasonable. It's just uh, whatever. But I think it's a great point by you. This guy was running the Dallas. This guy was a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. Basically, even though he was never wasn't really ever the starter, was on the A list. Like he always, he would be in the best suite, right? In terms of like if you had the VIP area because of his relationship with Jerry. Then he's the head coach. Being a head coach of any team and then being not a head coach, we know it's miserable for guys because they'll take any head coaching job, right? You'll see guys in like Midwestern Texas and the FCS, like ah, this is my program. So you're right. I mean, it, just to leave that and then to like be in that scenario. Remember that famous photo where Jerry got his glasses washed? It might have been the national championship game. It was game. like his son-in-law was was cleaning his glasses for him, yeah. But do you remember the photo was like a whole Joneses, Tony and his wife, Jason and his wife. Like that's who Tony still gets to do this. Jason is getting yelled at by Joe Judge to run gassers. They asked Robert Sala today and he Great clearly that's a big talking point I think in New York. Yeah. Right, that's probably the number one story. Like, how do you run a team? And Robert was like, "I just don't." I, I've always told you, like, making Deshaun Jackson run gassers. Being out there at practice the other day, I would say the overwhelming majority of NFL players, like, making a Ferrari go fast. Like, what the fuck? These guys are in tip-top shape. Like, this is not Davis High football. This is not Fresno State football. This is this is the you're gonna oh, Saquon run some gassers. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna get tired, Coach. Uh, you know. uh, Kenny Galladay, run a couple gassers. Like, I'm good. Like, I've trained all year. It's kind of stupid. Do you know what the NFL has for when you want to get mad at someone? They have the fine system. You you find their page. You cut them. Let's handle this like I, I think Joe Judge... I just... Listen, the team was pretty... They played hard last year. I think Joe Judge's tactics are just... And I don't think he can shake it. It's just who he is. I think they're pretty stupid. Well, it's hard when you hire, and I go back to something Troy Aikman said on the Flying Coach podcast. He was like, if I were, if I, I would hire an offensive play caller first. Now, not every coach in the league right now was an offensive or defensive play caller, right? Most of them were, but not all of them. But it's a tough spot. If you and I have talked about this off air, like, what do you, how do you affect your team if you're Joe Judge? Like, what do you do? to show your players that you put them in a position to succeed beyond game management. Oh, well, coach, do you see the way coach uses timeouts there in the second half? That's our man. But what, we know what Kyle Shanahan does, right? He's constantly, guys talk about it all the time, how he puts us in position to succeed. So you got to find ways. And if you're going to be the motivator guy, it better work. Like you better be pushing the right buttons because it backfires fast. And you I, don't have any I, other I'll, pitch. 
I, I think coaches have said this, and definitely GMs. I, this is not like an original take by me for any means, but I'm pretty sure I've seen several coaches and people talk about this, and probably in all sports. Culture is not like set once you get there. It's by the people you bring in, the way they're wired. You and I once talked to a player that played for a motivating coach, and we won't say his name or the coach's name, and you could tell he didn't like the guy. And then the more and more you get to know the player, like if you're not wired, like, hey, I don't need to be motivated, right? Like I'm good, dog. Like I'm fucking ready to roll. I, I'm a I'm a high-level guy. There are a lot of guys in the NFL. I saw DJ tweeted it out. He was interviewing Elijah Moore. He's at, he made the rounds, like Eagles practice, Jets practice, Ravens practice. And he quoted the NFL Network like video and was like, I thought I was talking to a 10-year vet. Like Elijah Moore, when he gets there, now granted, I know some people with the Jets and they told me like he was blowing them away right away, telling the floor like how good he wants to be. Like he's impressive. But like you don't, like Elijah, if he drops the ball, like make him run gassers. Like that's counterproductive. Like if you screw up, like legitimately screw up, I'll give this guy a lot of credit. And I've followed the Panthers now on social media for a while. And just so you end up seeing some rule cuts. I don't know if he's a dynamic like scheme guy. He clearly can handle his shit. That guy hit the guy late and wrong, and they cut him the next day. They didn't... Didn't hesitate, John. They kicked they him out of practice. I think they cut him the same day. It, it was over. Like, that is... That's the best part about... The, in college, you kind of have to do that because you're kind of stuck with your squad. Well... So it's not... Not once you start paying them. <laughs> that's true. But, I mean, for that given team, like, I can't cut a guy week two of USC, right? He's just kind of around. Yeah. I guess you could tell him to go away. But if he doesn't academically, like, there are rules in your scholarship... Where in football, your greatest advantage, if you hate the guy, especially if you're not, you know, tied to him, you just cut him. I, I, I really had the epiphany today, like, making these guys, like, we were at practice, how many guys would truly get tired if you made him run gas? Like, Kinlaw? Right? Also, I mean, how many of them would, list. like, oh, their coach is teaching us a lesson. I get it now. I'm being punished. Well, I think a lot of them would say, hey, guys, it's it's... 12 o'clock, you know, I got here. I, I was in that little thing you have over there called the weight room. I got here at 5.45 this morning, and I worked out for an hour and a half because I do that five days, four days a week. And I also do extra stuff on my own in the afternoons. I'm good. I'm a fucking pro. Well, you know what it reminds me of is like, um, it works for some people. For me, it doesn't. I realized it doesn't work for me to go to a gym and have a class where the, motor, where the instructor says things like, you know, you came here for one reason. You leave your problems at the door, right? Like that Wait, stuff had pisses me instructors? off. Like I annoy. Like it makes me angry. Like just no, I don't want that. You know. It's. Uh, you remember? You remember the story I told about the big guy that yelled at me, kind of at the gym? Yeah, because you didn't. Yeah. You were using the weight I, bench for. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. They they brought them all back inside. Now there's unlimited room for everybody. I there are a couple big guys, and I wasn't quite sure. It's been a while. I'm pretty sure it was this guy. He came up to me today. Smile. And said, you know that workout? And again, I'm doing a tricep workout with no weight. He's jacked. He's like, I can't. That that one's hard on me. Almost like he wanted to right his wrong. Mm. And he's like, that's that, that's hard on my triceps, man. I, I do this other thing. That's, that's a tough workout. And I mean, I got fucking no muscles. I'm just doing it to try to break a sweat and do something that I saw on like YouTube. And I was like, this guy. <laughs> this guy's giving me a... And this guy's just jacked, tatted. He gave me a compliment on workout. I guess it goes back to what I said earlier. Like, I remember that story when he left the parking lot. Your thing was like, I could tell he was mean mugging me. Well, maybe it was all just a one big miscommunication. Most things are a miscommunication. And then somebody throws a punch before somebody can explain themselves. The next thing you know, you're defending yourself. 
but back to Jason Garrett, I, I, I felt in his eyes, like I saw a little bit, you and me five, six years ago, like I'm in a bad place. When, when it just, you could just look at his eyes when he makes that walk into wherever he was going. I made like the meeting, the media was his respite was his break from, from practice. I remember the Cowboys a few years ago, put out this video, like a 60 second hype video. And it was like some dramatic music, a bunch of highlights and a Jason Garrett speech. And I, rec- I couldn't find it. I was trying to find it. I recorded it on my phone because I thought it was so good. It was like, we're in this fight. You know, it was like one of those. I was like, fuck yeah. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I remember they had, they did Hard Knocks or an Amazon Prime. And the trailer, the beginning of it was like. Maybe that's what it was from. This is like a bottom line business. Bum, 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 bum. And our jobs were in the line. Yeah. And Terrence Newman was in the back like, yeah. Like, God damn, Jason Garrett. It's like, wait, coach is making six mil? Four more years on that deal, all guaranteed? By the way, John, can I address one more thing before we, um, this was, I got this comment on YouTube yesterday. Guy, friend to friend, you got to get them sides even out, bro. LOL. I, <laughs> I texted you the other day as soon as I got a haircut, which I mostly like, but my barber, Laz, is uh, on the IL right now. He sent me to another spot where I got a very good haircut and I'll, I'm probably going to have to I'll go back. The one thing is that my hair moves a certain way this way. For those of you who can't see, my part is there. And so they gave me like a hard line. Like they put the things, they spray a line in, and then they razor blade, straight line. And on this side, okay, on the other side where it goes up to my part, it basically shaved my forehead up to the part and kind of shaved the top of my head, John. <laughs> like it looks like if I just put my hand in that spot, you could see what I would look like with a cul-de-sac. Like that's, there I am. Yeah. So, I'm aware of the situation. Thank you. And I'll uh, be completely honest. When you sent me the picture, I think I did a ha 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 back row. I didn't quite know what you were talking oh, you about. I don't it. relate to hair problems. I didn't get uh, it. The photo didn't do it justice. But basically, they put the thing on where it like puts a line. It sprays a line on your head, and then they just like you really. I really got like hard line lined up as opposed to just the normal cut. I got. Like you, do you think it's a little thicker on one side? Is no, no, no. It's stand, just it's, it, it's hard to see right here on the video, but it's like. If you look on my left, John, this side, it's like the line goes way higher. There's like way more forehead over here because it went, it goes all the way up to the top of my head. I, I, do you know what's crazy? I'm so far removed. You know, like when you get in an argument with your wife or girlfriend, if you're listening, and they say like, you just don't understand. And you, you, as a guy, you're like, I do not understand. Like, I don't fucking understand what you're talking about. I, you sent me that photo. I'm even watching right you're now. Still- I don't even, I don't even get it, guys. I didn't- I, I, I've been so far removed. I don't even know what you're talking about. I truly don't. I don't even get it. Right, I don't get what the comment meant. I don't even get what you're saying. The lines. What, what are you talking about? Your part? Like, I, I just see hair everywhere. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's true. I for don't the rest get of it. Me. All right. You're lucky, you know? Um, all right. See you. Thanks for hanging, everybody. <laughs> Later. What'd you say, Saturday? Bag alert. Oh, yeah. You're right. Bag alert. Mailbag coming out on Saturday. Later, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live 
bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.